What's up, everybody? This is Healing Intentions, and I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Mimetti. This podcast is about natural health and wellness, mental health, cannabis, psychedelics, philosophy, and spirituality. Today, my guest is Brian Diego. Brian is a U.S. Army veteran who graduated from National University of Health Sciences and is currently a naturopathic doctor in Minnesota. He has three children and enjoys attending drum circles, meditations, and classes with his two older children. He has a background in music and is passionate about integrating sound therapy, shamanistic practices, and vitalist therapeutics into his practice. Brian experienced very significant spiritual experiences and connection during healing ceremonies with plant medicine and has felt called to share this connection and love with his patients and friends. Let's get started. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Healing Intentions. Today I have a really special guest, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Brian D. Diego. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Really good, man. Really good. Glad to have you on the show. Uh, we've spent a lot of time together in in school for you know the last whatever four years it was, and uh, had a lot of great memories created, and uh, really great you know brotherhood, and you know really enjoy talking with you about many different topics over the years here. And uh, so I figured let's get you on this podcast and talk about it for the world, man. Had some nice deep conversations. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, we have. And uh, so, yeah, let's just get right into it. Why don't you tell us all just a little background on yourself, like, a, you know, a little mini life story. What's the, the story of, of Dr. Brian D. Diego? What brought you up to this point today? Briefly. Oh, let's see. I had, um, let's see. I've always kind of been natural, natural minded. Mm-hmm. Um, since like, especially since like high school and everything there, um, mm-hmm. I always had like kind of, I was, I was, I always had some kind of uh, illness or something growing up a little bit. And, mm. um, you know, here and there, I mean, I wasn't like a very sickly kid or anything, but it, uh, you know, definitely enough to work, you know, kind of makes you pause and, and wonder stuff. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of um, stomach issues and different things like that. And so, you know, I went over and everywhere I'd go, I'd get tested, you know, have medications. And uh, I even had one medication at one point that actually changed part of the color of my hair. Wow. Um, it was real weird. And it was now, um, I think it was, I think it was like Prilosec or something when it was prescription before they made it uh, over the counter. Mm. Um, all these things, nothing was helping. And basically doctors would send me to, Hey, let's go send you to a psychologist. Let's send you to a counselor. And every single time it wound up going over there and it's like, and it was, I felt insulted at the time that it was like, Oh, you're saying it's just in my mind. It's just in my mind. Um, that's something I can come back to later, but sure, it's something that I remember, I think about when I talk to patients now and everything too, that, you know, they need to be talked through this and, um, and the mind is totally intermingled with the body. Yeah. Um, and initially when you hear that it's, it could be a little bit insulting and people think that, you know, it's, it's all in your mind and it's not happening. Right. Not true at all. <laughs> right. Um, 
So yeah, I went through, uh, went through high school and, um, my, my mother had a, had a high school friend who went into, um, natural, um, therapies and different things like that. And I remember one time I was, I was visiting some family in DC and her friend was in Maryland and my mom was like, you need to go see her. I told her you were coming. And so I went over there and, um, as I was waiting in her, in her waiting room, it was at her house there, but, um, she had, uh, a bunch of Barbara Brennan books, um, hands of light and, um, I forget what the other one was. Um, but they were just kind of laying out on the table there and I'm looking through and I'm like, wow, this is really neat. And just kind of, it kind of puts stuff together for me that everything is so connected, you know? Mm-hmm. And I literally, I remember like the first thing going in there and I was kind of, had my arms crossed and everything over there. And first thing she told me was uncross your arms. And what are you hiding in that area of your stomach? Ooh. I didn't even tell her what was going on. I was having stomach problems and all this stuff. And I was just like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and she was basically, you know, seeing my aura and interacting and just seeing how, you know, how energetically I was closed off. And I was closing myself off with, with my just body positions and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is just, it just blew my mind. I got out of there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to the Barbara Brennan school of healing. I'm going to do this. <laughs> this uh-huh. is it. Um, and when was when that? Came, how old were you or how long? Uh, it's about maybe 17, 18, somewhere around there. Okay. Just finished. I think it was just finishing high just finished high school and, um, kind of, you know, just, uh, a very young part of my life. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember it was before I, um, before I started going to college, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I came home and I was telling my mom, I was like, oh yeah, I found this school and, and it's a, you know, Barbara Brennan school of healing. And, um, and essentially my mom was like, yeah, that that's nice, but you really, you got good grades. You want to, why don't you go and get your degrees? You have something to fall back on. And another interesting tidbit, what you hear from people is not always what people are saying. Mm. (laughs) Um, So perceptions are different from, uh, so in communicating, you need to make sure that you're on the same page. Um, so there was a, um, so I was like, oh, oh, okay. And I basically went to, went to college as I played the tuba. So I was, uh, really big into music. I got a music scholarship and I was like, well, you know, I want to do some kind of healthcare. I want to help people. So I started the pre-pharmacy track and that was where I was going to go. A few years later, I found out about music therapy and I was like, wow, that's really neat. So I transferred schools to, uh, from, it was Mercer in, in Georgia, to uh, uh, Tennessee Tech University, um, who had a music therapy program. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, the most recorded tuba ensemble in the world. Oh. <laughs> um, very famous uh, instructor there who traveled all around the world, doing, doing gigs all over the world, playing the tuba and everything. And he started a... Um, a tuba ensemble, tuba and euphonium ensemble that um, they've played at Carnegie Hall. I was in the sixth um, time they went to Carnegie Hall. I was in that recording and went to Carnegie Hall with them. Wow. And I didn't know that. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it was really, uh, really neat. And it's like the culmination of any music career. And I got to do that in college. It was really, really nice experience. Awesome, man. Um, on the other hand, the other portion of my studies, the music therapy degree <laughs> was not the, not really what I was looking for. Um, when I thought music therapy, it reminded me of the, the, uh, energetic therapies that, that I've gotten in the past. Um, and I was thinking, Hey, how does sound actually affect your cells and the functioning of your uh, down to a cellular level? I want to know how sound act, it's vibration. Everything is vibration. I want to know how it affects you. And, um, I was talking to my, uh, my advisor for music therapy. And I was like, yeah, I'm really interested in this. And, and he's, uh, he showed me something online. It was, uh, Oh, I can't remember now. It was a type of entrainment. Um, Oh, like brainwave entrainment, brainwave entrainment. Yep. And, uh, and he's like, look at this. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Uh And just joking. Like, uh, like gay showed it to me. Like it was a joke. And I was like, why is it stupid? This is what I want to do. This is like, (laughs) you know, wow. It's like here, you know, you you, you got these different frequencies going and it can actually change your mental state from, you know, learned about all the brain waves and everything, you know, the, your alpha, beta, theta, delta brain waves Um, and listening to this music can actually in tune your your mind to get into that those states if you need to be in a deep relaxing state helping with sleep um stress oh wow throughout college and everything i have had my cds my entrainment cds and everything there um since i found out about this uh, it helps so so much um i agree and so so yeah but it really turned me off a little bit when my advisor the head of the music, music therapy program didn't even believe in sound therapy. And it's like, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've taken a bunch of uh, psychology classes, a bunch of music classes. So I wound up getting my, my bachelor's degree in music and psychology instead of the music therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, they closed that program down. And sometimes when I'm not so long winded. I just tell people, well, they're closing the program down and I was done with it. So, right. Um, so yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, when I, when I graduated everything there, um, looking at, okay, what do I have now? Um, really tough to make it as a musician (laughs) and psychology, you can't really practice psychology until you get a master's or an advanced degree in uh, clinical mm-hmm. science, uh, clinical studies and different things like that. So mm-hmm. where, what am I doing? Where am I going? Um, and there is like uh, several different um, opportunities that, uh, that came in my life. And um, I actually did um, called my brother, one of my brothers and decided asked him if he wanted to go on a road trip. Um, and so we went to, uh, from Tennessee where I was at, 
uh, he came and picked me up with two of our friends and four of us drove across the country and went to Arizona. Uh-huh. Um, and we had found a, uh, it was a church. It's called Peyote, Peyote Way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that church. Was, um, so we decided we were going to do a uh, um, uh, some ceremony. You know, a, a ceremony, a peyote ceremony there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was interesting. It was very um, self-driven. You know, we had been doing the fasting and everything there. And it basically they they had they leave you alone to go out and find where, where you want to go meditate and have your, your ceremony. And you have this tea. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, it was just like, wow, it's a, uh, this is, this is a big thing. And, you know, take, took a little sip. Oh, it tasted horrible. And right. <laughs> it's like, Oh, and then, you know, I've read all about it and it's like, well, you know, you're going to you, uh, be expect to purge. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I don't want to throw up. Oh, yeah. And there's there's a difference in purging and, and just throwing up and everything. <laughs> and right. I know now, but right. um, the whole concept is, and in a lot of Native uh, ceremonies, is that if you um, if you want to take in new energies, new healing, um, take a different direction in life and you're already full, there's no room for that. Mm. So the purging is a physical manifestation of your spiritual and your mindful um, capacity, expelling the old and to, to uh, prepare to bring in the new. Mm, making room um, for the new to come in. And so at this point, I wasn't really ready. It was something that was something that was new. But even just that little, little sip that I had taken of the peyote, um, it felt like I just stepped out of time. Uh, I just, I was sitting there for, you know, a whole day and everything, just kind of camping out, uh, you know, camping out in my little area. Um, you know, we had all four of us out there at different places and everything, and you can kind of hear echoes in different valleys and uh, mountains and stuff of uh, other people's experiences, but it's very, it's very personal. Mm-hmm. And we decided to come, come in when, you know, at, uh, at day, uh, at uh, evening time, and we we're going to kind of come together and we had a tent set up and we we're going to, you know, camp out there, uh, all four of us together there, mm-hmm. have a little campfire and stuff. Um, so this day just kind of passed, but I just, that whole time, I just stepped out of time and I was just observing everything. Um, the colors of everything I was watching, you know, the mountains and how they turned purple in the sunset and everything. And I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. It's like, Hey, purple mountains, majesty, you know, <laughs> it's like, there are purple. And, uh, it's funny. Cause everyone, uh, makes fun of me sometimes because I'm colorblind and oh you can't see those colors and everything I saw that purple that really deep purple and it was like wow it's amazing oh interesting um, yeah colors uh, animals I was watching horses just kind of uh, run free in the distance and everything there and it was just watching their energy just kind of going grazing and oh it was just is an amazing experience mm-hmm. and definitely not something 
you know, I mean, of course you can, any of, any of these psychedelic substances you can abuse, um, or you can do it, use them as respect. Mm -hmm. And there is a spirit, uh, healer teacher in those, in those plants that, um, will reveal to you what you need at that time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I was very new at it. I'm I haven't even done peyote again. So is it addictive? No. <laughs> right, right, um, but, but definitely an experience to, wow, to, that you can't balk out there. So, right. and that was after um, college. So you're young still. So that just really, well, yeah, that up. was right before I graduated college. Okay. It's like, yeah, the year before. And, uh, um, that's awesome. And then, yeah. And then, uh, we came, uh, kind of came back and I was looking, where am I going in life? I started, I, I had, uh, you know, you need 120 credits to graduate from college. I had over 300. I had started <laughs> so many different, um, career types and I, every, every program I started, I get into the upper levels of things and see the, and see the, um, the the theory behind it and everything and it's like this is there's nothing to it you right. know and so i go on to another thing i just do try philosophy psychology um religious studies different things like that wow. um and so i you know it's not that i was just playing around i was literally i'm, I'm sucking in as much as i can learn and i just mm -hmm. feel like you can't get anywhere unless you're trying to to learn from from everything all around yep and uh and so yeah i graduated and i was like wow well now i can uh i can go on and i want to be i want to develop my leadership qualities <laughs> and so mm -hmm. i was bartending at the time and someone came in and he was in uh, vietnam and everything and um he was really kind of disturbed um, and he, you know, he kind of say, and I was like, oh, you know, well, I, I want to thank you for your service. And he's like, what do you know about it? You've never been there. And it was just like, wow. Um, no, I haven't been there. And it just kind of got me thinking. It was like, wow, well, if you've never been somewhere, how can you criticize it? How could you make informed decisions, whether that's for your life or not? Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm seriously thinking about going into the military, you know, mm -hmm. one, I can help build up my confidence and leadership qualities. And two, I can, you know, I, it was right after the Iraq war started and I didn't necessarily agree with the Iraq war and I didn't, but how am I going to criticize it if I've never participated or done anything to actually learn what it's like there. Mm -hmm. I support the troops, but then it's like, I don't support the decisions that are being made. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go there. And I had a lot of NCOs that um, laughed in my face because they're like, you want to change policies? Ah, ha, 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 ha. You can't do that. You have to be an officer. I was like, okay, then I'm going officer candidate school. <laughs> And they just laughed at me. Why do you want to do that? Well, you know, I, I don't agree with 
different things that are going on. So I'll go to Office of Canada School. Well, good luck. Oh, oh, oh. You know, and uh, so it's like, okay. So I went to, uh, you know, went joined the Army, went enlisted for a year, and then um, I went to Office of Canada School. And it's like another basic training again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it was definitely, definitely uh, interesting. Um, can't even imagine <laughs> they, you know, they, I got uh, selected to do uh, signal Corps when I was enlisted or when I was an, uh, uh, officer. So I was a signal officer to do communications and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is interesting because a lot of my background, uh, my dad's uh, got his own electronics business and I learned a lot of basic electronics and signal type stuff from, growing up and working with my dad mm-hmm. and uh so it's like uh, it kind of it was in line with with my history and where i was going and mm-hmm. um learning you know networking and being a network manager and different things and wow uh, and there's a lot of money in it too if i right. you know just right. stay in it um but uh yeah i just basically uh yeah went through that and when and of course um, as I was enlisted, it was, you know, as I was doing training, st- uh, helicopter training, and it wasn't really, there was no risk for me to deploy and everything. So it was like way far out there. Um, as soon as I got to, uh, got finished with my signal officer co- uh, training, um, they're sending me out to Arizona. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, that's neat. And I talked to the battalion commander and she's, uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, um, you're going to be in my battalion. We just got back from Iraq. So there's no, um, you know, get over there, settle your family down. You know, my wife at the time and, um, you know, you're no, no uh, risk of deploying or anything. So settle everything, settle, you know, get settled over there. So I get over there and well, they did a trade and put me into a, a battalion that was going and deploying immediately. Wow. And so here I am, I moved myself and my wife all the way across the country and said, see you later and left. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, there's, you know, different, different things going on. Um, with that, it was a little bit, it was, it was kind of, it was tough. How long were you gone for? Uh, for that deployment, I was gone for a year. Wow. It was 12 months. It was, uh, yeah, it was a 15-month deployment, but I was, you know, when I got there and everything, I, it was, for me, it was 12 months. Yeah, um, and then how many times did you deploy? Uh, well, I came back for a year. Um, we had our, our son, and then literally we were deploying again oh, back to iraq and uh wow so well you know i when i found out my wife was pregnant i ran over to my battalion commander the new battalion commander at the time and and i was like uh i i want some options here can i go to you know go back to school and stuff there so i can be here for the birth or at least can i um can I stay here for the birth and just deploy late or something? Um, so he's like, yeah, definitely. You can, uh, you can deploy late. I'm like, yeah. I really wanted not to deploy again, but okay. Cause you know, it was the whole first year of my son's life that was, you know, I got to be there for the birth, but then two weeks later, you mm-hmm. know, I was leaving. Mm-hmm. So that, that was tough too. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, I found out when I got to Iraq, the reason being that he wouldn't let me transfer into classes is because he selected me above all my peers to be a com- company commander. Mm. And so I was like, wow, it's a good opportunity. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I, uh, so I did that. I took over a company and I had, I was authorized 120 soldiers under me wow. um, and I had to kind of make sure what, who's doing what. And of course we split that up into 12 different sites all over Iraq. And so I was having to travel and support all the different team, all my different teams and everything there. Wow. Um, and they were all supporting um, like infantry and combat arms type uh, people. But I was, we were providing their, them communications um, so they can always, uh, you know, could, you know, communicate with everyone across, the, across Iraq and across, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere. So um yeah, so it was a really neat experience, good leadership experience. And, uh, um, you know, coming back, I was uh, excited to be home. Um, we had a, a year later, we had a, a daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, and uh, something happened with my wife at the time and during her pregnancy she started having seizures mm-hmm. um and so we're kind of dealing with that and kind of stepped back a little bit from work and um even though i was still a company commander i was do, able to you know go go home when i needed to to take care of her i was able to or she was able to come up and she was part of my uh, family readiness group. She was the leader of my family to readiness group for my company. Mm. So she was having to work pretty much full-time um, with that, a volunteer position, but she was working full-time doing it and then doing f- organizing fundraisers, keeping everyone um, socially um, k- together and everything like a, like a nice uh, big extended family. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, then I took on when I got back, I took on more soldiers. So it was like, I was authorized 120. I had 250 soldiers at one point. (laughs) Um, and then of course there was a lot of issues with, um, behavior, some drugs and stuff there. So literally the whole time I was home, I was doing a lot of court martials and, um, different things. And I, I think there was almost 30 people I kicked out of the army while I was, after I got home. Wow. Um, for is that is that common? That seems like a high number. Um I don't know how common it was, but it was uh yeah, it was quite a wow. quite a bit. Or you have some <laughs> that stories from much, that. Yeah. <laughs> um we won't go into that. This is uh <laughs> not not for that for this podcast, but wow, that's crazy. Right. So it you know kind of makes you yeah, it develops your leadership experience, but it also kind of makes you kind of take a stand on what you believe and mm. um, and what what values you have personally. Mm. And can you push somebody to court martial? Like literally, as a commander, I am the um, accuser, <laughs> so I have to get up in court and um, basically, you know accuse them of doing xyz and they have to defend themselves 
Um, and so not for the faint of heart. Um, and you really have to be able to stick to your convictions. Um, one thing on the mental health side, as we had people, uh, there was a lot of mental health issues um, and a reaction to that, a lot of um, civil disputes between families and everything there that I was having to kind of get involved in. Mm. And the mental health aspect of it, it was almost like, oh, this person's got mental health. Okay, let's push them over here to the counselors. Oh, mental health, go to mental health, go to mental And we were referring everyone to mental health. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, almost like push them out of the way. And it's, you're not actually taking care of anyone. Right. And after a right. while of doing that, it was just like, wow, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this. <laughs> um, I want to be able to help people. And I want to take a step back from what I'm doing right now and punishing and be able to help people mm. that I've just sent away and hope for the best that someone's going to take care of them somewhere along the line. Right. Um, and so that was a little bothersome. And then of course, you know, my command time was up and um, had to go back to, to training. And my next assignment I got was um, uh officer battalion uh, recruiting officer and so i had to go and all the recruiting stations and everything i had to go inspect them and make sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing keeping all the their commanders uh in line and stuff there um so i was like number three in the battalion um there was the company or the battalion commander the uh executive officer and then me as the um operations officer Um, and so all of recruitment for all, like the whole army, basically. Well, this was, this is for the region of Illinois and North Indiana. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it was that whole, um, region there. And I remember at one point when you were over at my apartment one time and you were talking to me about how your whole idea was like to get into the army to kind of, to change it from the inside. And then you and yeah. then kind of realize like, mm, that's kind of where you are now in your story of like, uh, maybe that's not so easy yeah. to do. So <laughs> I want to actually, yeah, that, that was, you know, definitely, definitely changed my perspective a bit. And, and, you know, when I got out of the army, I was, um, promotable to major, wow. um, but I kind of, uh, well, circumstances that that kind of came up my wife uh had uh, passed away and so i um i didn't want to get back you know when it was time to 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 move to a new station i didn't want to get back into the deployment rotation and be a world away from my kids right um, because i wanted to focus on on family at that point Mm -hmm. but throughout my life but (laughs) especially at this point um two young children that just lost their mother. They need, yep. they need support, family support. And so yeah, they man, decided and to get out. <laughs> absolutely understandable. And uh, you know, they say in the top stresses and worst things that can happen to somebody in their life are death of a child and, and death of a spouse. And so you went through one of those and it's just, I cannot even imagine. And, you know, 
we've talked in depth about that and how it's affected you and, you know, your family and, you know, and also um, the, the, the therapies and modalities and things that you've gotten into and tried that have really kind of helped with that, mm -hmm. you know, process and grief and everything that we'll get into here. But yeah, man, it's, I just, you know, it's really, uh, I can't even imagine going through that. And, um, you know, I think that you are here for many reasons, but one of them is just to be that uh, beacon of light and that strength for other people that have gone through what you've gone through. And because yeah. you are such a strong, um, you know, compassionate, uh, just leader, man. And, and it's, and it shines so brightly, you know, anytime you're around you. So, um, I know that that's one of your many purposes here. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Of course. So, yeah. So, so. Yeah, I know I'm a little long-winded, but yeah. <laughs> might, no, no, no. <laughs> it's much but, needed, uh, man. I know that was just scratching the surface still. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because there was a lot of, um, family disputes, um, that I would deal with in the military. Um, some, some crazy off the wall things <laughs> you probably wouldn't even expect, but, right. um, I, it was always, I was always confident because I, I felt like I built a, such a strong supportive relationship with my wife um, that, yeah, we had our problems. So everyone does, you know, <laughs> but I was like, we, we go deploy and everything and, you know, hear stories from people back in, back home that, oh, you know what, this, this person's wife just went and cheated on them. This person's husband just went and cheated on them. And now they're like, ah, and freaking out. And of course, you know, having to go to mental health and different things. And how do you talk about this and everything when yep. you're separate, separated from them and everything. And I never, no matter how many problems my wife and I had, I never questioned what, what she was doing. Um, I just had that complete and total trust in her. And I honestly, an emotional foundation to our family that it helped me step up. You know, we're at this, this place and you can step up and help other people. Mm. Um, when she passed, it was almost like that, that foundation there just dropped out from under you, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. And it was just like, you're falling. And for what, you know, I, of course, all these, all these questions start popping up, you know, what's this for? What, what is this lesson that I'm supposed to learn in this? What is a lesson that, you know, kids, a two-year-old and a five-year-old, what is the lesson that they're supposed to learn from having a traumatic experience like this at yep. such a young age? Right. It sticks with right. you for your entire life when you're developing your brain and for sure. Um just the why. And um I had a very supportive mother-in-law who she retired, dropped everything, sold her house, and moved up to Illinois. Um, to help me out with the kids. 
Yeah. And awesome. it was like, wow, I just, you know, I can't be more appreciative of what she did. Yeah. And she was there. Um, during day-to-day type things with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was there, you know, and I know a lot during that time, I, you know, hit a depression and didn't want to get out of bed. And I, you know, everything that was, I forced myself to get up and move on and for the kids, you know, right. And because that's what they needed. Right. Um, it's like, I, I have my, my little mantra that ever since, you know, my wife passed and everything, I keep thinking of Shawshank redemption mm. and get busy living or get busy dying. Right. And I'm not ready to die. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you need to get busy living, yep. you know, and you're and living, so, man, you know, you're living life. You know, one of my favorite quotes, if you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And that's, one of, that's why we're good friends, man. You get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so now, I, so what led you from that to one of our favorite, wonderful plants, ayahuasca? <laughs> Can you tell me about that? So I, I was at, I was kind of questioning things and everything. And, you know, of course I, I had, a. Uh, researched a lot of shamanic um healing technologies techniques and and uh ceremonies and everything there and i had known about ayahuasca and it was uh you know called vine of the dead or by some people and everything there and Mm -hmm. and literally i was numb when i was going to through the funeral and i had you know we were down in tennessee none of my family's from tennessee um, all her side is. So we had like 50 or 60 people there from her side, you know, then all my family came from New York, Georgia, everywhere. All these uh, city slickers, they called them <laughs> uh, right. just coming in there. And, and the support that I had, it was just, wow. It's like, everyone was there and um, really supportive, but I was still numb and I literally went to my brother, that the one that we had gone on a road trip a few years ago and everything. I was like, I need to ask her a few things. Mm. I need, I need some clarification. I need something as to the meaning behind this. It's Vine of the Dead. I want to be able to communicate with her and talk to her. Mm. Um and so he said, I'll find something. Love that. And he went back. He lives in Colorado. And a couple months later, he's like, I found a, uh, I found a um, place that does ceremonies and everything there and uh, in Colorado here. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I said, um, took my two kids, packed them up. We flew over to Colorado and like, let's go. So uh, my brother and I went and did this ceremony and should I talk about the ceremony now or just, <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. We're going to get into it. I mean, you know, we could talk just for m- multiple podcasts, just about these ceremonies, but you know, we're going to yeah. scratch the surface on, you know, <laughs> yeah. And the like. biggest thing is that 
know, every time you talk about it, something new comes up. Right. And so with these kind of ceremonies, these therapies, these medicines that you do, I think the biggest thing is the integration part. Right. How to figure out what happened because you literally have years worth of knowledge and experience coming into you all in one night. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so you have to process it. You have to take time to process it. And every time you talk about it, something new comes out of it. <laughs> yep. So you do, you need to have continuous integration with it. Um, you know what's so things. wild, man? I, just as you're talking about it now, I'm being put back into the place, like energetically of the ceremony. And I got like goosebumps and like tingles all the way up and down my spine. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty yeah, interesting and, and because we've done it together in a ceremony that I'm so grateful that you invited me to. And I was just just so blown away. And so but that was many years after you did it the first time here. So go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's interesting. This is a this is another time I'll talk about the floor dropping out from under me. Um, you know, we basically had a circle in this ceremony and basically went through and found out everyone's intent because you always, anytime you're doing any kind of meditation or spiritual work, you need to have an intent. You need mm -hmm. to have a general roadmap of where you're going. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the, uh, the shaman that was working with us there is telling, okay, I, you know, mama ayahuasca um, knows your intent, but she has an intent of her own. So we did it. We sat and did a prayer to be open with whatever the spirit we wants to reveal to you. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So um, we did that. And I said, well, you know, I still, I have my reasons, you know? Right. And then he brings around the, uh, the medicine to each of our places here. And, um, he brings the part of this little, this girl, I don't say little, she is a girl, but she was literally half my size. Mm -hmm. Gives her this glass, comes over to me and gives me a little shot glass with like barely enough to be in the bottom. And then I took it and he's like, you know, says, well, you know, if, you know, you'll have an opportunity, if you need more of the medicine later on, we'll give you that opportunity to get it. Mm -hmm. And we had, um, our blindfolds and stuff there that they had told us, you know, to bring, go ahead and bring, which, oh, wow. It's that does a lot more visual type um, things oh, yeah. it everything versus um, versus kind of just having your eyes open and kind of a foot in both worlds. Mm -hmm. um, so I put my, my blindfold on and all I'm thinking was, Oh, it's like that girl next to me, she is, she had like double or triple the dose that I did. I'm three times the size of her. Why, why is it? I don't understand. Why did he give me so little? I just said, and then it was just like this big resounding voice just came and said, who wants more? And I was just like, well, I do. And I was like, who are you? And literally the floor just dropped out from under me. It was just like <laughs> the, what was revealed to me in the, the course of the night 
was that there are many illusions that we create for ourselves and this physical world has a purpose but for that purpose an illusion is created mm-hmm. and the illusion is the physical world mm-hmm. so i want to talk to my wife i want to talk to her i want to question her and who who are you you're you're part of this vast consciousness you are the one that is still in this um construct of the physical world she's been released from that mm-hmm. and she's become one with the huge enormous spirit that is god you know whatever. Yeah, the universe um, right yep whatever she is one it. with that so who are you this this construct this um i forget the word <laughs> um uh whatever but um you know just this illusion of separateness right that you want to separate another portion of this grand grandiose spirit mm-hmm. she's learned she's lived learned her life and incorporated that with the grand spirit. And you're still living yours. You're still living that illusion to get the information, to get the do your life lesson and bring that back to the consciousness. But you can't possibly think that she's still separate. She's graduated from that, you know, Mm -hmm. that... And, you know, that entity that was a creation. And it was just like, wow. (laughs) In the process of it got really intense. And, you know, it was, uh, it's just really, wow. How do you, how do you put it all into words? (laughs) There are no words. Yeah. How do you, how do you know what the experience is like? You have to experience it. You know, how do you describe, I've heard people say, how do you describe being in love? If you've never been in love, you can't, you just have to experience it. How do you describe an orgasm? If you never had one, you just have to experience it, you know? (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. So, wow. That is super powerful. What do you, how do you think that helped with everything that was going on with you at the time and just the realization of all of that and the not it, it made me even feel yeah it made me even feel connected more with right. that spirit mm-hmm. of the universal spirit and it pushed me further away from different religions and mm-hmm. things that I feel are the same thing, a, a construct having a purpose, right? but a construct to help people understand, to help people grow spiritually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is a path. And some paths are for, you know, there's lots of different religions. There's lots of different paths. Like our, to, like our buddy, Dr. Paul Epstein says many paths, one truth. Yeah. 
you know? So, and I agree, with you. Very... Yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of constructs out there that have a good purpose and intent, but gets kind of lost in the message and, <laughs> you know, a lot of good behind it, but then there's also a lot of bad that's been done in human history in the name of that. And yeah, not such a big fan of, of that. <laughs> Nobody is obviously, but you know, there's a, there's a difference between religion and spirituality, a clear difference. And we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of on the spirituality side. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for that, like after that, still processing it. And mm-hmm. there is a lot of people in my life that were passing away at the same time. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my wife, a month later, um, my grandfather, who he was like my, my last grandparent alive. Mm-hmm. Um, some different, um, my wife's aunts and uh, uncles, a um, couple, two of them passed away all on the same thing. And just going to all these funerals um, and everyone, you know, everyone has the, and everyone, the intent is there, you know, we want to be supportive, but so many people default to those cliches. Oh, they're in a better place. They're, um, right. You know, they're in heaven and, and they're with God and, you know, and, and to a, a certain extent that's true, but coming from my five-year-old son, when we were going from funeral to funeral to funeral, he asked me, Hey dad, if it's so much better to be, um, uh, to be dead, then why are we even here? Mm. Everyone says they're in a better place. I want to just go to that better place. Wow. And these are foundations of misthoughts that people can have in there as a five-year-old. What's going to build from there? Right. Oh, I'll be better off dead. And now we're going to start thinking of, you know, obsessing about death. And yeah, I had and to stop thinking about the things you need to do for the good, perfect afterlife. That's heaven. And that's what it's all about. We're working towards this heaven. And it's like, well, you can make heaven on earth right now. How about that? Right. Idea? Yep. <laughs> you know, and so in the best way without squashing his curiosity, you know, right. basically that's kind of where the direction I took it, you know, um, we all have a purpose. We all have a reason we're here. And it sometimes it takes us our entire life to even figure out what it is, much less accomplish it. <laughs> right. Yep. You know, mom yep. had her, her time and she, you know, did what she was supposed to do and her time was over, yep. you know? And, and that's the way I kind of have shifted to put it and stuff there too. You know? It's not, I don't like to glorify death, especially when there's a lot of kids around and, you know, everyone can tell me or can tell you how many times, like, you know, with the death of my wife and, and the kids, um, even to this day, I have people telling me, well, it's a good thing they were so young. 
It's a, you know, they, children are resilient. They don't really understand what's going on. They don't know, they don't know what's, you know, they can't process it, you know? Mm. So it's, it's kind of a good thing. Mm. When my, yeah, when my daughter, my two-year-old daughter at the time <laughs> saw her mom getting in the wheelchair and then taking her into the hospital there. And she started screaming at her. No, they're taking mommy. And I'm never going to see her again. Don't tell me she didn't know what was going on. Right. Because 24 hours later, she was no more. Yeah. She knew. Oh, she knew. And whether that's consciously in her memories or not, subconsciously in the unconscious, that's very much there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the whole, we going back to the whole, mental health man and talking about the you know military and the veterans and you know there's 20 veterans a day committing suicide because of ptsd because of all the stuff they've gone through and what's the help they're getting you know and that's why we're both so passionate about psychedelics as as medicine for mental health and beyond because of the results i mean in Mm -hmm. these mdma trials they're literally curing treatment resistant ptsd 65 percent cure rates after three yeah. sessions of MDMA. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, with, with those questions that I've gotten from my, my young kids at the time, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been able to explain anything to them if it wasn't for my, my healing ceremony with ayahuasca. Mm. Wow. It's beautiful. Yep. And then I just, I, you know, I have, I have no regrets it's not easy. I have to say it's not easy going through a lot of that stuff and all in one, (laughs) right? but at once, but, but I feel like that was something that definitely helped with, with being able to process and actually give feedback to them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, Um, that's amazing, man. Wow. Um, I'd like to go on to some other quick topics we're really into, because I know we don't have a ton of time, but the, you know, (laughs) everything we just talked to brings us to the idea of the mind body connection, right. And everything is connected and, you know, we're so passionate about that and mental health and holistic counseling with our, our great mentor and friend, Dr. Moshe Daniel Block, and you're doing his whole, uh, you know, holistic counseling training, which is amazing. Um, Super excited for you about that. And, you know, we've seen it in our lives over and over again, how you could eat all the healthy foods, you could do the workouts, you could drink the water, drink, take the supplements, and you still have issues. It's like Mm -hmm. what's going on there, right? A deeper, mental, emotional, spiritual traumas and limiting beliefs and all the you know disconnection and and so what's your whole what what do you have to say about all of that your your experience with it what what are you excited about with that whole world like what do you what's your comments on it well um the other the other aspect of it is the physician heal thyself right and going into it it um, and it was also something that, that was brought up by Dr. Was it Maurice Warnes that came? 
Oh yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. From South talking Carolina. about, yeah. you know, yeah. a physician, um, can't heal unless they've been broken mm-hmm. and then they're broken open. Right. And that openness allows them to take their, that healing and go to another level with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, uh, when I heard that from him, it was just like, wow. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, I had the same effect from that. I remember that all the time the wounded healer. Right. Yep. Yep. And so you have to, as a, as a physician, you have to work on yourself. Um, and you can only go as deep as you've been with yourself. Yep. I was literally just going to say that. Yep. (laughs) On the same level. That's it. That's so, right, man. I've seen that so yeah. much in myself too. I've gone deeper and deeper and deeper. And now I see it so clearly in others and I'm able to go there. And like, it's all about that vulnerability and opening up your heart. Right. And the love. Mm-hmm. It's all about love. It's all just love is medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, yeah. And, and, and lately I've been kind of thinking about the whole concept and everything too. And, and how Moshe, uh, Dr. Moshe puts it, um, love is, is the source, you know, if you put any qualifiers on it, then it's not love there. It's not that universal source right? that is one with, you know, with God, with the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's, it's sad to me how a lot of people, you know, can do the lip service of, I love you. I love you. So do this for me. I love you. So, or if you, you, if, yep. yep. (laughs) Um, There's always that qualifier. And as soon as you add that qualifier to it, it ceases to become love. It's something else. Yep. That's more corrupted than love. And somebody, yeah, someone told me, said something the other day, um, you know, I was talking to my kids, I was like, you know, oh, you know, we're singing the song, the Beatles song, love is all you need. Uh-huh. <laughs> my, my son was like, does that mean, uh, does that mean that love is all you need? Is it really? <laughs> I was like, yep, that's all you need. And someone makes, you know, snap back and said, love is never enough. Love is not going to ever be enough. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Um, I beg to differ (laughs) because if you truly have worked on that and gotten to that level of understanding what love is, Mm -hmm. it's universal acceptance, you know, and patience and kindness. Mm -hmm. And if you've gotten to that level, Mm -hmm. you only know how to love unconditionally to those people around you. To the stranger and, at the at the grocery store or to your family, your real yeah. blood family. It's all the same, right? Yeah. And it sounds cheesy. You say, oh love, you know, blah, 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 love, 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 love. It is. It's the source. Right. You know? It is cheesy and it cheese tastes good. <laughs> 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 yep. No, it's true, man. It, and if it sounds cheesy to you, what does that say about some kind of block or like limiting belief within yourself? Why is it cheesy? What's cheesy about mm, it? Right. Good point. Yeah. You know? 
So something to think about there. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you about your shaman apprenticeship training. Tell me about oh. that. Talk about that a little, because that's very fascinating. And, you know, I went to some of the different ceremonies and stuff with you and it just, it's just fascinating, man. I have this deep connection to the whole native American thing. And I even went to this native American and cannabis conference here in San Diego. And I just, I love it. I think it's, you know, it's a big part of our history here and obviously in the U S and all over. So yeah. What, what do you have to say about all that? Cause that's a very interesting topic. Wow. I think I've done my most growing, um, when, as I was, you know, in that community, um, with, with Rodrigo, um, shout out to Rodrigo over there yeah. in, uh, uh, Illinois. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> Rodrigo. He's awesome. Um, awesome. so yeah, I just, I, you know, went and years ago I read, um, uh, Michael Harner's book, uh, foundation. He's a, he, he had started the foundation for shamanistic studies oh, cool. and, uh, it was very interesting to me. Um, and so I wanted to go through their courses and everything. And so I took their first, their beginner course, um, probably in 2009 or something. It was actually between deployments that I actually took it. Oh. And, uh, um, yeah, it was just, it, um, it was really, really neat to develop um, different um, practices of meditation and, and um, um, drumming and different things and how to, you know, uh, build community and everything with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, I was looking at different programs when I got, when I was in um, medical school there and I had my uh, intern that, that I was seeing at the clinic at the school, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Orton. <laughs> oh yeah. Shout out Dr. Alex Orton. He, he's been on this podcast. One of our good friends. Yeah. He told me, uh, he's like, Hey, uh, there's a full moon ceremony tonight. You want to go to this full moon ceremony? And I was like, Oh, that sounds pretty neat and everything. He's like, hold on. I'll me call. And he calls Rodrigo and he's like, Oh, yep. He said, there's, there's spot for you and your kids to come over there. So if you guys want to come, Awesome. like, yeah, I'll be there. And, um, yeah, that was the first time I met, uh, Rodrigo and Gina and, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was an amazing, uh, full moon ceremony and they do it every month. And, um, and I decided to, you know, he, you know, he had this shamanic, um, apprenticeship class. And so I was like, oh, that's really neat. And, you know, going to the first class, he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a lot of those online, you know, or foundations and everything there. You pay a whole bunch of money and, and uh, you get a certification. He's like, I don't have, you know, if you come in here to get a certification, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to certify you to do anything. This is just a personal thing and a personal growth yeah. um, experience. And so I was like, nope, I'm cool with that. Um and a lot of people have come up to me, you know, when I was taking it and, well, well what are you doing it for? What's the end goal? What's the end, the end goal is to develop myself and do, yeah. you know, learn a little bit more healing technique, energy healing techniques and, and some philosophies around it allowing you have that, that communication of, you know, like this, so you can learn so much from, um, from just talking things out. 
and yep. yeah um so you know we went and we learned to make a drum i got my uh horse hide um hand drum that i made uh-huh. um Beautiful i made drum. a drum um, i played it it's amazing yeah i love it I, I need to get it back out and everything and start uh start practicing again um we did a um um a medicine bag we made a medicine bag and how we uh learned to do um different ceremonies where we feed it and uh energy and different um, um elements and different things like that and how it keeps growing um you know in spiritual or energetical energy as the more you refine it and everything there mm. um yeah and different uh uh, we learned about different animals and how, um, uh, you know, reading your, uh, your animals and your, um, spirit guides and your guardians. And actually we even had some, um, some classes where we tried, where we mimicked and tried to assume some of the animals, some of the basic animals like the puma and, um, in the cover of darkness, you know, um, and, uh, we did the, uh, the condor, um, that was really neat. We had, we had like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, ties where we tied each each other to the, to the ceiling and we're actually mimicking the flying and everything in there and doing meditations and stuff with that. And, and the, uh, and the snake shedding its skin and different things like that. Um, being able to act in that animal shoes helps to, you know, um, build that relationship, um, for the lower, the middle and upper worlds and, um, kind of help that those energies kind of come into your life and everything there. So it's really, uh, really neat. And I, you know, we moved and, kind of stopped it about halfway, but it was, uh, it's something that, uh, I'd like to pick up again at some point and finish it up. (laughs) That's super cool, man. Yeah. And my, my, one of my experiences with Rodrigo is he like drew some cards, some, I don't know, tarot cards, but they had animals on them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, kind of asking him, I was considering at the time, like, where am I going to move? Where's my life going to go? And I was like, you know, I really like California and he drew a card and it was the Eagle. And he's like, Oh, he's like, Eagle is like one of our most like respected revered, you know, like one of the best animals that could have came up. He's like, definitely, definitely California is a place for you. And man, let me tell you, I've been in San Diego just over a year now. And it's amazing. I love it. I literally, like I said, I feel like I'm in, I'm on heaven on earth over here it's yeah. <laughs> beautiful and literally everybody i meet is like on that vibe man vibe attracts your tribe you know mm-hmm. i really really have been seeing that everybody i meet almost on the street at the grocery store whatever hey i'm a naturopathic doctor i'm really into mental health you know i'm into cannabis and psychedelics and you know many other things you know mind body and everybody's like me too <laughs> and so it's just like amazing i'm just really loving it and really grateful and just the beginning, you know, so much more to come. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's really awesome, man. I know you could talk about a lot of these topics for, for much, much, much longer, but 
Um, I feel like this is a good point to end off. What would you like to say to everybody just as a ending message, anything on your, on your mind, on your heart for, for the world? Ooh, had a lot of changes going on this last, uh, over the last year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, some, uh, you know, results of different decisions and stuff, but, um, just that I, I think that everything is presented to you in your life, whether it's choice or not, or the result of choices or, 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 um, or just something random. I feel like that you're constantly tested throughout life and you have something to learn from every good as well as bad experience that you have. Right. And so um, instead of dwelling in the negative and finding out, you know, dwelling on or obsessing over maybe this something happened in your life that you didn't necessarily want, I think that it's really good to step back, meditate on it, and try to figure out the lesson behind it. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Very well said. And, uh, Man, really enjoyed having you on here. I, I know we could talk for hours and hours and hours. We could do one day maybe a Joe Rogan style four hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know we could easily do that. Um, so, yeah, man, I appreciate this and uh, always appreciated you and our friendship and uh, who you are as a person, man. You're really awesome. And uh, I'm grateful for you and you being in my life. And uh, I love you. And till next time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Talk soon. Peace. All right.